Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, this is the fifth designfootball.com podcast and today we'll be focusing on kit sponsorship. I'm Jay, I occasionally write blogs on designfootball.com and I'm joined by football kit commentator and illustrator John Devlin. Hi John. Hello Jay, I'm good thank you, yeah and and yourself? Uh, Yeah, I'm okay, Uh, thanks for asking. Okay, uh, so kit sponsorship. Around this time, I don't know, I think it was a few days ago, it was the 40th anniversary of Kettering Tyres, the Kettering Tyres logo, or Kettering Tyres wording, appearing on the Kettering Town shirt. Um, so I was wondering, what was the, the first instance of uh, kit sponsorship having an impact on, on your life? I, I take it you were probably too young to remember either Certainly Kettering, uh, having Kettering tyres, or Liverpool having a tachy, would that be right? No, unfortunately, Jay, you're wrong. I remember the, don't remember the Kettering one, because of course, being non-league, probably wouldn't, you know, as a young boy, it wouldn't have been on my radar. But the Liverpool thing was a big, big deal. And in many respects, I think my love of football kits had started just probably prior to that, in about 77, 78. And of course, when Hitachi came along, it, it just kind of rubber stamped it. I was just obsessed with the idea of this word appearing on clothing because not like today where you see super dry on every every other shirt you see in in town (laughs) you know back then words just didn't appear on clothes it was like you know two different things so as a young lad I mean that was it really confirmed my uh my obsession with kits back way back then yeah so I I had a a little bit of a look into this and we always think about uh Ketchin Town or historically speaking we look at it as the first instance of uh, football kit sponsorship but it it had actually been going on in in other countries so um in germany uh, a team called eintracht brauchweig or something like that or brauchweig something like that uh, had the jägermeister logo on their shirts uh, because they were told they weren't allowed to have the uh, jägermeister wording on the shirt because for the same Similar reasons to the FA actually banning Kettering Town from having Kettering tyres on the, the front of their show. So it's, it's something that's close to my heart because I was actually born in Kettering. And the idea oh. of Kettering being uh, forward-thinking in any way is bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, as, as someone who goes there and, and thinks that they've taken a step sort of 30, maybe even 40 years into the past Fantastic. by entering the town limits... Um, yeah, the, their idea that they were pioneers in some ways is absolutely crazy. Yeah. But okay. it had been going on in Germany. Uh, Bayern actually started wearing the Adidas logo very big on their shirts as well uh, to, to follow that trend, which was 
seems strange now because to have a manufacturer's logo so big and Hibernian in Scotland as well had booked her. Of course, but, yeah. yeah uh, it was it was a massive big deal at the end of the 70s. I, I can't imagine what it must have been like to have all shirts with nothing on them and then suddenly to have shirts with something on them. Well, I was going to say what, what was in, what was interesting as well is that at the time, of course, there wasn't the um, you know the obsession with people never talked about football shirts. It was almost irrelevant, and so you'd see Hitachi on the Liverpool shirts, but there was never anything about it. You know, in, in the magazines that I read, Shoot or whatever it was at the time, the, it, it just it was almost like ignore it, don't don't talk about it. Don't, it's the white elephant in the room. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't kind of it was so. I don't know, so obscene and so vulgar, I think, to have that, that the press didn't really jump on it at the time. That's just my memory of it. I may, may be wrong, of course, but... Yeah, it, it provokes a lot of feelings. Mm. Uh, it certainly does now. I think maybe that might have been a a, a deliberate approach to actually... If, well, if we yeah. don't talk about it, it might go away. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Ignore um, it and it will go away. Exactly, yeah. And, and for one of the biggest teams to do it as well. So you've got two ends of the scales. You've got Ketridtown, who are a non-league team, suddenly putting a sponsor on the shirt. And then Liverpool, one of the biggest teams in the world, sort of around... I don't, was it before they had won the European Cup? I probably should know this. But no, right. I think they'd already won the European Cup at least once, hadn't they? Yeah, well, I mean, I think the Hitachi deal was about 79. And uh, just doing a little bit of research on, on this earlier, it, apparently, according to Wikipedia, which, of course, we can't always trust, it says shirt sponsorship was eventually permitted in England in 77. Now, I don't think that's right, because I can't believe it would have taken two years for a team to pounce on this this uh, opportunity. But, of course, there was this, there is a little bit of bad feeling, because everyone says Liverpool, you know, the first team to have sponsorship. And of course, it's not actually true. It's Kettering really hold that hold that honour, but it almost felt like Liverpool's um, power as being one of you know the biggest club in well yeah the biggest club in the land at the time were able to push the FA to uh, allow it. Whereas Kettering were tiny non-league, and you know they just were the FA just walked all over them. So there is con- sort of controversy around that as well. I think. Yeah, uh, I think I think. It is okay. As I say, having been to Kettering, it is okay to consign them to the dustbin of history. So I'm not really bothered about that. The One, one thing that's just dawned on me, uh, Kevin Keegan, did he like carry on wearing Itachi or, or he didn't... When he went to Hamburg from Liverpool... They, they did. Weren't they sponsored? So <laughs> he had like... Uh, consecutive years of wearing Hitachi for two different clubs. That's as, well, almost no, it, as good as like Eric Cantona winning the league title with two different teams in, in consecutive seasons. I hate wearing I hate, the same sponsor. But, but Jay, I hate to crush your enthusiasm here. Oh, but of course, no. Keegan left in 77 and Hitachi... Before they Liv- got the sponsor. Yeah. So in fact, it was almost... There is a definite connection, but Liverpool didn't stop wearing it until 79. So, yeah, but there is... It's funny again how the two teams are linked through through sponsorship. Well, I've just found also on Wikipedia that Kevin Keegan had it put in his contract that he wanted what the only thing he was going to miss out on by leaving Liverpool was having Hitachi on the front of his shirt. So Hamburg set up a deal with Hitachi to to finalise the deal. That that's not true, but I would love it if it was. Do true. you know what? We're going to have to revisit this. I'm going to look into this and, and get this nailed because it seems <laughs> that's not the, the dates don't aren't adding up there, are they? How strange. Uh. Well, for whatever reason, mm. Kevin Keegan still wore Hitachi on his shirt despite yeah. leaving Liverpool, which is crazy. I mean, well done to him. Um, so, okay, through history, there's been a lot of interesting football shirt sponsors. If you go to the Football Attic website, 
they actually had a competition. Oh, sorry, it was a it was a vote. It was just a a fun vote thing, which was a knockout tournament, I think, where people voted on their best. I think it was British uh, sponsors. So mm. the most iconic sponsors are the ones that look best, or the ones that were funniest, I suppose. In the end, and it was won by Oxford United wearing Wang, of which course. was an American uh, American. <laughs> Uh, computer company, I think. You you illustrated all these, John. Was that a fun thing to do? Yeah. Well, it was. I mean, I remember, you know, somebody raised a smirk at the time as well. So it is, yes, it was. It is always quite amusing seeing that. But, um, yeah, and of course, Bright, is it Bright, uh, Brighton, wasn't it, with the uh, the Nobo or Nobo, their, their big sponsorship. I think that probably came a close second, I would have thought. Uh, yeah, I think, it, I think it came up on top. I remember being very, very... Uh, pro crown paints actually winning that and getting quite argue with people and like sending out tweets to fellow liverpool fans that everyone should vote for crown paints <laughs> but when i started following football candy was the liverpool sponsor okay. and i remember I, I remember if i ever saw someone with a crown paints a, a liverpool shirt with crown paints on it i i don't know i was i found it quite um it was like it was evil in some way. I don't know why. It was like because it was the past. It was before yeah, I started okay. being interested in football. It seemed a bit alien to me. The crown paints thing. So I wasn't proud of it. I was. Oh. I didn't see it as an iconic Liverpool sponsor at the time when I was a kid. It was like the dark side was like the the crown yeah, paint no, shirt, which is a little bit odd. Well, it, it does tie in. I think what happened, um, and of course, one thing I must mention as well that I sort of discovered in recent years is that often before sponsorship was allowed in games quite a few clubs would wear it on tracksuits. So there's a great example of Bolton Wanderers would have, I think it was a drinks mate called Cam- Cambrian. I think they did soft drinks. And they had a wonderful logo with a graphic of a bottle and everything else on their tracksuit tops. But of course they would be discarded before um, before kickoff. So sponsorship was creeping in in training wear before it was actually in, in match wear. And there's a few instances of that as well. But no, but going back to when it really began to take off with clubs, I think what used to annoy me was that people, and people still do it, they refer to that kit or that shirt as the as the crown paint shirt or the candy shirt or the, the JVC shirt. And I kind of think, I used to get really annoyed about that. I'd be thinking, no, it's an Adidas shirt or it's an Umbro shirt. Don't mm-hmm. Don't use the sponsor as the defining feature. But of course, by default, that's sort of what happened, wasn't it? And that's why I think sponsorship is really important because fans do really um it really kind of <laughs> i hate to say it becomes almost bigger than the club the club identity in some way well <laughs> because it literally is bigger so yeah. the biggest thing you have <laughs> on a football shirt is is the the central sponsor yeah. which now it seems absolutely perverse well sorry i i can't imagine a time when it didn't seem perverse so i can understand the fa saying well, you can't have a sponsor because your crest is small and it's at yeah. the top of the shirt. So if you if you want to have a sponsor, that's fine, but just make sure it's smaller than the crest. So I think Udinese in the late seventies, maybe early eighties, had the name of uh, the their president was a uh, made ice cream or something, okay. and his name was down the side of their shorts. So you would think it would creep in that way. So it be a very small logo and then as rules are relaxed over time then it yeah. gets bigger and bigger but instead they they just went well there's a massive expanse of space on the front of the shirt we're just going to put a huge logo on there so immediately the club's identity it plays second fiddle to that which 
Well, it, it does. That's, no, that that just seems odd to me that 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 would mm. be allowed to happen overnight. Well, it, it does. It does play second fiddle to an extent, but I think that because I'm, I'm, you know, I'll. I'll lay my cards on the table i'm actually quite a big sponsorship fan i think even you know being a, a designer as well i'm all about words and, and colors and you, you know so there's there's a link there that i love seeing text on on clothing as far as you know sportswear goes it's just something odd about me i guess but but i think it's really important then that the sponsors the sponsors are relevant to the club and i think when you look back to the especially the early days i think it's lovely to look back and see local newspapers local businesses local breweries breweries actually you know supporting their local side it's that sense of community again and in that way it doesn't kind of overshadow the club but they're working with the club within the community and i think that's a big deal do you know it's and i, I think we've lost that now where we see multinationals and we see betting companies and asian companies and you know no disrespect to them at all but it's hard for that link to be really made uh yeah leeds united who uh i think they won the last old league championship didn't they 1992 they, yeah. they had and i think it was just for that one season they had yorkshire Evening Post was that the, the sponsor right. of that season? Took over from Top Man. Yeah, so it was top. So that kit had had two sponsors. They wore that kit for two seasons, I think, didn't they? Mm. But it had Top Man the first season, and then Yorkshire Evening Post the season where I when they won the league. That's right. Yeah, it's in an incredible, incredibly difficult shirt to find. That one. It's been reproduced since by probably oh, okay. uh, Score Drawer, I think. But very, very hard to find the one with the Yorkshire Evening Post on the on the front. So. That that's another thing that sh- sponsors will add value to the shirts as well. Interesting, but of course, if it, they regard it as iconic, certainly. But I think um, even with the bigger companies at the time, and immediately there might not be an immediate link to the club to the neutral. But actually, if you lived in the area, you'd quite often find. And I'm trying to rack my brains for an example. You'd you'd often find that their head office would be local. So there was there was nearly always some kind of direct correlation between club and sponsor, and I think that's that's why maybe there was a sense of community and kind of standing side by side. I mean, I know when when I was doing all the legal clearances for True Colours for the books, I had to speak to every sponsor as well to get their permission to include their logos in the in the book, which is odd because you think you know you've, they've put their logos out there into the world. Why can't anyone reproduce them? But, you know, that's yeah. just the way of things. But there were several people I spoke to, and I spoke to one of the guys, I don't know if he was the head guy, he must have been a Draper Tools, who sponsored oh, Southampton. Yeah. And he said to me, he, well, he emailed me and said it was brilliant. You know, I've always been a Southampton supporter, and I was so pleased to have be able to have my company on my team shirts. And I had a similar res- um, response from Paul Withy Windows, who sponsored Norwich City in the mid-80s. And again, it was a real local business, a fan of the club, and it was such a buzz for him to be able to support the club in that way and to have that association with them. And they're quite, you know, they're quite, I know it's a commercial world and everything else, but they're quite powerful links, aren't they? Oh, yeah, the... And and for for now, when they look at these teams, the amount of money in football, certainly if they used to sponsor a Premier League team, they must just chuckle to themselves that at one time they managed to get their logo on the on the front of their yeah. local team shirt. Because now it's just ridiculous. This, with so many games being televised, the value of that contract to, to put uh, your logo on the front of, uh, say, Southampton, even Southampton shirt is... Although, I, I wonder if Southampton... 
Southampton sponsors, or certainly in recent seasons, actually are a local team. But they're a, I don't know, oh, okay. a I'm not sure. dot com sure. boom company or something. I'm not sure. But they, I think they make, do they make video cameras or something? Right. I'm not okay. sure. But they've managed to, to do it. And yeah, the, that is, that's the compromise, I think, of, mm. of having a football, having a logo on your shirt that seems to compromise the integrity of the club and say, okay, well, the crest is, is secondary to that. Obviously, the, the club's colours are important in that case because the first thing you see is the colour of the shirt. So if that ties into history mm. of the town um, or the history of the football club, then then that has prominence. But then the next thing you see is the sponsor. So as you say, mm. um, people will, will identify shirts by listing the name of the sponsors. Yeah, that's um, right. So what, what period was it? You mentioned the tracksuits. So what from what years... Was that kind of thing happening? Oh, well, it would be. I think it would probably be around... Maybe it was the sort of 76, 77 mark. I'll try and dig some examples out, and I'll I'll give them to you later. Maybe you can, you can put them up on Design Football. But certainly, I'd, I've illustrated a few, because if you watch um, some old 70s football on YouTube, you'll quite often see... Well, I say quite often. Occasionally, you'll see the players, you know, discarding their tracksuit tops just before kickoff, and you'll glimpse the sponsor there. So they kind of—it's sort of like a stealth way of doing it. But of course, most people would only ever see that at the game, at the game itself. The Bolton one was a great example, but there are there are others, and um, it even led to some really interesting tracksuit tops where they didn't have full zips. You know, the zip would only go down so a, a, a half zip, I think it's called. So <laughs> they so it wouldn't disrupt the logo. So they. It did happen, um, and it's and I, it's something I wasn't aware of until you know three or four years ago. Is did, if that brought about the half zip top, that would be <laughs> that would be absolutely I'm, fantastic. I'm not claiming that, but it's a nice thought, though, isn't it? Yeah, it could be. Well, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Necessity is the mother of invention. Exactly. <laughs> um, s- regarding that sort of integration with the shirt, obviously. We can't not mention. And I've mentioned before on this podcast, but the the Tal, uh, the Talbot uh, Coventry City kit mm. is is that something you've illustrated? I'm pretty sure yeah. it must be. Very yeah, definitely. I mean, they had the the home and away, obviously the the blue and then the uh, the red one, but they also yeah. wore. Of course, the classic story, and I'm sure many people will know this is is they because you know TV's TV. Um, broadcast of sponsored shirts wasn't allowed until 83 so clubs would always have to wear an unsponsored shirt when when the games were shown on tv and maybe that added to the mystique because most fans such as myself would only see a a game on tv and um then you'd see photos of another game and you think well hang on a minute they've got a big big word on their shirt yeah when they played um the big match on sunday they didn't they didn't have it so there was a, a bit of a mystery going on there but um yeah, it's uh, it was a yeah must have been about that yeah eighty three was when that that was lifted the uh, the TV band. Do you know what, Jeff? I've completely forgotten the question. What was your question now? Uh, <laughs> I was just <laughs> just talking about the um, integration of of sponsor into shirt. Oh, the Talbot so, one. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, the Talbot <laughs> one. The that shirt uh, for people who don't know, and I imagine most people do. Um, the shirt has a huge sort of. It's like an isometric, it's like 3D-shaped T that that runs as it's part of the shirt design and it also runs into the shorts. So the yeah. T continues onto the shorts. It's fantastic. It's actually fantastic. And the, the best version, I saw one on a website recently, is the red version. 
because it's so rare and to see one was fantastic it looks great as well that's a great shirt um but as you say when this was this was banned from being worn in televised games all sponsorship yeah. was so i think was it designed as a way of getting around that so they would take Talbot off the word Talbot would come off the shirt but they would still have the big T as part of the kit I think that was the original plan because you've got to remember at the time that Jimmy Hill was chairman and he wanted to change the name of the club to Coventry Talbot so he wanted to actually really embrace that um, that whole sponsorship you know commercial venture there so i think that was that was the plan and obviously the logo the, the design of the kit was the t from the talbot logo the way it was rendered in this sort of you know as you say isometric uh navy and white and white pattern but of course as you, i'm sure you know the fa still did, it, it didn't wash with the fa and be, what they tried to do by making the logo the integral part of the whole kit design that was the aim was to to bypass that rule yeah, and so as you say that when when games were televised, they wore a, a plain shirt. Was it blue shirt, white sleeves, or something? What, what yeah, sort? It, again, it was. You know, it wasn't a bad looking kit. It was, um, yeah, just a standard sky blue with like white side white side panels running down uh, each side with a little bit of navy trim, and the red mirrored the design, but but in red. So that was they their alternate kit they had to wear when uh, they were ever they were on TV. Yeah. Uh, it's fascinating, and it's fascinating the reasons why you get these these special kits. And in Europe, in the 90s, uh, teams weren't allowed to have extra branding. So uh, Umbro was the big one where a lot of Umbro kits had either a diamond uh, stripe thing, uh, diamond strip down the sleeves. They weren't allowed that. So they had to edit kits slightly mm. uh, in European competition or, or certain logos had to be removed. Barcelona had to remove Kappa logos from their shirts. And Man, Man United, in I think it was nineteen eighty-five when they had the badge placed centrally on the shirt, and they had an Adidas logo on each sleeve. For European games, they 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 couldn't have more than one Adidas logo on the shirt, so that design had to be altered as well. Brilliant! I didn't even realise that it had gone back as as far as that. So there was mm. before the ban. I take it this was the between eighty-four uh, or something, was it? Yeah, it was yeah, eighty-four, eighty-five. I think something like 84, that. Eighty-four, eighty-five. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So where do you? It just in general, where do you stand on on football sponsorship? Good thing, bad thing? I think it, I think it's a good thing. I mean, I, I do feel sad, as I mentioned earlier. I do feel sad that there's often not a a direct kind of local locality or even emotional link between the sponsor and the club. Mm. But you know, but you've got to be realistic about that. But when I look at when you look at shirts today and you look at the amount of um, visual, I'd say the word clutter. I don't necessarily always mean it in that and in a negative context. The amount of visual stuff that's on a shirt now, and yet the Premier League and the Football League still won't allow a second sponsor kind of on the front of the shirt. You know, obviously we've got the ones on the back now, yeah, in, in, not in the Premier League. But that seems odd to me. Where you've got a Premier League sleeve badge, you often have if there's a um, if it's a poppy game, or for example around Remembrance Day, you get these extra bits and bobs that are allowed on a shirt, and yet they won't they won't start bending those rules to allow a second sponsor. I mean, it's it's valuable income for clubs, and I think you know, I love I you know, and I go against all the purists here. I love seeing these uh, Belgian and, and Norwegian sides where they've got about thirteen sponsors on the shirt. I think that's quite I quite like that. And I, yeah. You know, I think there's 
even done tastefully, there's spaces on the shirt where you could include a second sponsor or even a third sponsor, and it wouldn't be wouldn't be at the end of the world. Yeah, there's there's various ideas for this. So, um, it, it is crazy for me that amateur in amateur football, it's so hard to get sponsorship to set up an amateur team. So we talk about grassroots football in this country. We talk about uh, junior football and the development of of bringing kids through. A starting point for that would be to get as many kids playing football as, po- as you possibly can. Mm. And the way of doing that is to have war kids teams. Mm. So every estate in every town should have a football club or several football clubs. Now, that's very difficult because people are obviously giving their time to, to it. And if they can't secure a decent amount of money from shirt sponsorship, they can't, they, they're going to have to actually dip into their own pocket as well. Mm. So that seems crazy to me. So... If you allowed more logos on shirts in amateur football um, and junior football and so on, I think you'd see more money going into the game at that level. But for whatever reason, the FA bans it. I think currently you can have, I think it's maybe one on the shirt, one on the shorts. Mm -hmm. I think that might be it. I don't know how much more than that. Okay. Oh, oh, sorry, no, you're allowed one on the front of the shirt, one below the collar on the back, even in amateur football, Mm. and one on the shorts, I believe. Which still, and and in fairness, people don't take that up, so you don't see many amateur teams with three sponsors on their kits when they could have. Okay. But uh, there should be so much more scope. Yeah. You could have rules about the proportions of the shirt. So, for example, you look at a shirt and say, okay, well, it's a black and white striped shirt. You ha- it's 50% black, it's 50% white. You can have a sponsor's logo that takes up another 5% in a different colour, but then any other sponsors, you've got to keep the proportions of the colours mm. the same. Mm. Obviously, companies don't like the colours of their logo being changed at times, but it's one way of getting around it. Um, as you say, a lot of Norwegian, uh, well, let's say Scandinavian teams have a lot of sponsors. Uh, sock sponsors have just come in in Spain, I think there's special okay, ties yes. that go around the sock. Yeah, is that is that a new direction that you'd like, or? I think uh, you know. I mean, and again, I'll probably get some sick for this. I think if there's if there's a little, you know, if it's space there and it doesn't, you know, complete. I, know, I quite I don't mind that at all when it dominates the shirt. But I know it sounds really contradictory in a way. But I think yeah, there's no problem with that. I think the biggest the biggest space is on the is on the sleeves. I I think why should all these clubs wear a big massive tournament sleeve patch on each sleeve that's that seems to be getting bigger and bigger when that to me is a prime place for a discreet logo to go or on the collar you know around the collar area like they do in rugby you know have sponsors like that i think there's you're looking at about three or four prime spaces the sock one may be a bit of a novelty i don't know how practical that would be but even even with with short sponsorship you know, when I've illustrated kits before, and I look, and it, it, it can be quite a quite hard work to actually find out who the sponsor is on the shorts because you don't see them that big. Um, yeah. Photos don't reproduce them; they're quite often not publicised as well on clubs' websites. So it's very much, um, if you pardon the pun, they get a bit of a bum deal out of it. You know, so <laughs> I think I think you'd like that one. I think it's the same with sock, <laughs> with sock sponsorship as well. It's maybe a little bit of a gimmick as far as that goes. Yeah, the what I've noticed is. I think most of the Spanish teams wear them, but uh, Barcelona, Real Madrid, and I think maybe Valencia don't wear them either. Um, it's it's in a colouring that might relate to the club, 
but it's a big block and it's yeah you can't notice what it is i think they recently had uh, pro evolution soccer but that's right it's you can't read it but it does change the color of the socks so suddenly you're not wearing red socks anymore you're wearing red socks with a massive white stripe with some writing on it and so i don't know if that mm. yeah well it's it's not necessarily something that's listed when you say what are your colours for the referee for the game and sock clashes are the most important clashes yeah. in in the flow of the game I would have thought or, sure or slightly after the overall clash we'll say that for, for Dennis Hurley's benefit okay. because we know he, <laughs> he cares deeply about that um, but, but you know Jay I think you've touched that, that actually raises another issue that I've noticed I don't know if you've picked up on this in recent years is that back in the early days of sponsorship a company would be quite happy for their logo to be reversed out in white or you know whatever the color of the shirt was and to have the, sh- the logo rendered in one color whereas it seems more yeah. and more frequently now we're seeing and again it sounds it sounds a bit sort of damning but quite crude kind of almost like transfer applied big white blocks with a color logo on it rather than having the logo really integrated into the shirt design so i don't yeah. know if companies are getting more precious about their branding and saying we want to retain our corporate colours, or whether it's a cheap a cheaper way to put the shirt, put the logo on the shirt. But do, do you know what I mean? Especially with the lower yeah. links, you will see a big white block, bang, and the logo sits on there. And you think, you know, there's a much nicer way for that to work within the design. I, I think it probably there's a shift between the reasons for it in the top flights mm. to the reasons for it in say non-league. So in the top flight, the reason will be we've sat at a table and we've negotiated this deal and this company is willing to pay us X if if they can have their corporate colours on the logo right. and then this, this other figure, which is much less, if we have to change them to our colours so okay. it, it won't stand out as much, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Lower down the divisions, the club probably never actually thinks to say, can you change your logo into our colours? They just mm-hmm. go, oh yeah, we'll, we'll get it slapped on the front just send over a pdf or something of, of whatever the your logo is and yeah. we'll get our printers to paint it uh, to paste it on the front thanks for the cash so that's quite sad it. mm. yeah it's, it's a cheap way of doing it and it's just people just unthinking but it's a, it's, just... a, it's a necessity in a way i mean um i think i've mentioned to you my company the design practice we're sponsoring uh aylesford number under nines team this season which is a, a massive buzz for me to have my logo on a team shirt you know but of course they play in blue and white stripes so we do have the necessity of having it on a white block so when a logo is working with stripes or color patterns colorways like that it is you can understand that's how that's how it has to be well obviously you've got an insight into it there so did what are the colors of your of your company's logo uh it's a green green and, and sort of very dark gray and did I don't think you ever considered, or was it a consideration of, do I want to change the co- colours of this logo because it'll fit better? Because you're in a unique position there, where you, where it's advertising for your club, and you yeah. want to do something which is great for for the kids and stuff. But but also you you're a, a kit design aficionado, yeah. so. <laughs> So, did we? Was there a conflict? I, there? I did. I did think about it. It wasn't a conflict, but I had to think very hard because it's they. They wear an Adidas uh, stripe template uh, team wear shirt, so it had to. You know, it would. The legibility wouldn't have been there. It had to go on a white panel, and that's fine. That's how it. Although, of course, in the earlier days, um, uh, 
teams would actually have their logos running vertically, like Grimsby Town and Sheffield United wearing stripes. They had their oh, logos yeah, running vertically in the stripe, which doesn't yeah. always work. Um, the big, you know, the biggest decision for me was whether to have the web address on there. And of course, the purist in me said, no, 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 just the logo. But I thought, you know, my company's no Samsung. It's no, you know, it's, it's kind of good to have that web address in there as well. So that was the kind of compromise I had to make. But um, it's, but it's, it's again, like these guys were saying about sponsoring Southampton and Norwich, it is really great to think, you know, my company, I'm working, I bought mm. a set of kits for these, these lads. And as you said earlier about getting, getting these teams, allowing them to keep playing. That's um, a big deal. I've just I've just thought of something. The the way around this rule is the lower back sponsor. So there's various different positions of sponsors you can have on a shirt. Mm. Now, if you're allowed a short sponsor, I think when they say short sponsor, it's a square that's allowed lower down the leg. But it might you might be able to move it around. Yeah. If you have a sponsor at the very bottom of the shirt, that doubles up as a short sponsor because if the sh- shirt is tucked in you see the the sponsor on the back of the shorts and if the shirt's hanging out you see at the bottom of the shirt so it makes no difference Mm. but i don't know what the fa would say to that whether they'd say oh you've got too many sponsors on the shirt because it's it immediately blocks out the one on the shorts but that would assume that the fa has any sort of common sense which i i don't know that they do no especially when you you hear about all these rules and regulations about sponsorship and then you'll see massive uh, Cabrini or Kappa logos on shirts as well. And you think, well, that's as big as a, a sponsor logo. And just because they made the shirt, they kind of, uh, again, that's um, another little grey area that they're out- allowed to sort of bend the rules, I guess, a bit. Very, very interesting that you bring that up, John, because there is someone called Tokyo Sexuale, which is a new story in itself. Okay. <laughs> there is someone called Tokyo Sexuale, but he <laughs> is uh, going for the FIFA presidency, I believe. Right. And uh, I think he's a South African guy. And he believes that international shirts should have sponsorship on them, as okay. in a logo. So it was put to him, well, this is a crazy thing that you would bring in sponsorship. This would... Uh, this would uh, be a terrible thing for the game to, to bring about this change. And, and he said, well, the, the shirts, as you've just said, the shirts already have sponsorship on them, mm. especially in the context of international teams. The kit that manufacturer logo is sponsorship because mm. the international team does not go to a manufacturer and say, okay, we'd like X amount of shirts. We want to buy these shirts from you. It is always a sponsorship deal. It is always going to be the manufacturer that pays the international team, I would assume, mm. to, for the right to, to produce their kit. So it's a, it's sponsorship. Where do you What do you feel about sponsorship oh. logos coming into to international shirts? Well, it's, it is, it's really interesting because one thing as a slight aside, you've got to remember that before manufacturers' logos were allowed on shirts, you can bet your life there was lots of people who didn't like to see them appearing. Because again, you're looking back to an era of clothing, where you know clothing was quite plain. It didn't have logos. It didn't have words. So even it's the same kind of principle. People were unsettled by you know little Umbro logos appearing or Adidas or whatever. But now that's that's fully accepted. And I, I think that's really relevant with the international thing. I think from a, I don't know what they're trying to say. Are they refusing them because of a fact that the international game is? not superior but it has a different moral code to domestic games or or is it a visual clutter thing because obviously you know international shirts having numbers on the front of the shirts now and again 
massive tournament patches on each sleeve, that kind of loses that argument. I mean, I think I would have no problem whatsoever with seeing a sponsor on an international shirt. It wouldn't bother me in the slightest. I think it would be a good a good move. Um, what you, what... I I think the that. I, I would like it. I think I'd like it as the watermark or I'd like it as uh, whited out. I right. think oh, they could bring it in, but I still like the pretense that we don't have the sponsors, if that makes sense. Why, I, why do you feel that, though? Because I'm used to it, I'd imagine. I don't, again, like you, I, I don't know the reasons why it hasn't come in. Mm. But, I mean, it wasn't in Champions League finals. So, no. the first, okay. uh, first, maybe the second... Maybe the first few Champions League finals, no one was. They weren't allowed to have the main sponsor across the front of the shirt, and even Liverpool, they weren't allowed to to have the Adidas logos. I don't think in in one of the finals, the '84 final, they didn't have the Adidas logos. It on was the shirt. Um, is that wrong? It was umbro. taped over. It was umbro at the time. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Mm. And it was taped over, was it? That's right. They had little. Yes, because I think Adidas had intrinsic links with. Oh, uh, yeah. UEFA, I think that's what it was. There was, there was. It's always been a bit of a grey area because I think England as well, in the '82 World Cup finals, they had Admiral logos missing from their shirts. Although I since read that actually they were misled there, and they probably could have had Admiral logos on the shirts, but some kind of communication error meant they thought they had to take them off. But I, who knows? Uh, I. I think it was the 1980 European Championships and they did wear them in the 82 World Cup. Oh, was it? Oh, right, okay. I knew it was one of those, and yeah. Ha- having more knowledge on something like that than John Devlin, I'm going to dine out on that for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't I have more I, knowledge. I told you I had a late night last night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, excuses. Um, so uh, international shirts didn't have sponsors, or they don't have sponsors, and we're, we'll wait to see whether they come in. Um there's there's been clubs that haven't as well. Barcelona uh, didn't have sponsors for a long, long time, when, which seemed mm. to be behind the times, and they gave their ethical reasons because no company was as important as as the club itself and the colours of the club. And then very quickly, they went from having no sponsor to oh, we just have a charity sponsor, and then we'll have a slightly different charity sponsor, which is maybe a little bit of a dubious charity in uh, the Qatar Foundation mm-hmm. and then now they've just got an airline I think so yeah. well, that, what kind of feel about that? Yeah that kind of proves my point or well, it certainly confirms my opinion of it. I think Barcelona are working towards what they consider to be a higher ideal and I think that's what international football considers itself as well that, they're, that it's, it's you know it has higher moral values than domestic clubs and of course I think from what we've seen of you know the FIFA scandal of the last year we know that that possibly isn't correct and I certainly think with Barcelona <laughs> and again I, I, I hate being critical of, of kit design but that always really puzzled me because I think okay so they're taking a moral stance and saying we don't want to you know sully our shirts with with this with an external sponsor and yet they were happy to wear some some absolute stinkers of of designs where they had massive kappa logos and and real a real um some of the shirts they wore were just horrific that really destroyed the identity of the club and yet they wouldn't have a sponsor on them and that that is what i don't understand that makes no sense to me uh just as a, a small note on barcelona shirts um one of the big problems they had with Kappa shirts in the 90s was there was too much white on them. So the whole Barcelona thing is we, we don't have white on our shirts because that's Real Madrid. Yeah. Um, 
if you look at a Barcelona shirt now, and I haven't looked at one the ones from this season, but previous the last couple of seasons, Qatar Airways logo looks white, and you mm. think, well, they, you're doing two things there. You put in a commercial sponsor on the front of your shirt, and you put it in white, which you said you had a problem with as well. However, if you look very, very, very closely, it's a very light grey, which really people, <laughs> yeah, which which I think is deliberate, which I quite like that they've actually done that and said, all right, well, we'll we'll accede to to what the views of the fans will be a little bit here, Um, which is, it's it's quite a nice thing, but if you look at it, it looks white. So it's, I don't know. I'm not really sure about Barcelona. The way around it is um, the Island shirts and still to, to this day for the last, 30 years or so, mm. 25 years certainly, uh, Ireland shirts obviously they're not allowed to wear a, a sponsor's logo on the front in matches um, but the replica shirts have been sold with a, a sponsor's logo so it was Opal That's and then right. it's been O2 and uh, Aircom Is it 3Mobile three, um, three for a while? Was that right? 3Mobile yeah, uh, no sorry it was ne- it's never been O2, I think the rugby was O2 was it? Oh, Possibly, I, I think it was 3 I think the rugby's O2 yeah. Yeah, three mobile, the mobile company. Yeah, um, they've had it on there as well. Uh, yeah, so they've they've sold the shirts like that. Something that someone put on Design Football once, because this is something that a lot of Ireland fans uh, are not too keen on. They mm. would prefer to own the shirt without the sponsor, because it's what the players wear. That, that's and, the point. Yeah. Um, someone put on Design Football got round it on design football by putting the sponsor's logo on the bottom of the back of the shirt okay. which isn't as as imposing as it is on the front which is a a quite a quite a good idea well actually um, and, and jay as well sorry can you quickly butt in, in certainly yeah, in the in the 60s and early 70s um certainly with umbro shirts there was always an umbro logo on this shirt but it was printed uh generally upside down right at the bottom where it was almost like an uh, an external label where it was always tucked into the shorts, so it was never seen. But there was always a very subtle, very t- you know, very indiscreet uh, bit of branding there as well. So it's a similar kind of similar plan, I guess. Yeah, I've got a uh, reproduction of the 1970 Airtex England shirt, and it has got it's got a printed uh, Umbro logo at the bottom. I don't know how faithful that is to to what it would have been at the time, but yeah, it's the same thing. It's the same principle. Mm, mm. I don't know if it's upside down. Is that so the player can look down and, and be reminded of what he's actually wearing? I, I think it's yeah, it's something. It's I don't, I mean, I'm not sure, but it's uh, when I've seen um, with uh, shaking some of his match worn shirts, some of the really really old ones, you can see it on there. Them, so it's, it was definitely. I don't know if it was on all of them, but it was definitely around at some point or other. But the mm-hmm. island, the island thing's quite interesting because you're saying that the Irish fans, and I've I've heard this as well, is that they don't like having the sponsorship on the shirt. But again, as you say, is that purely because the team doesn't wear it that way? Uh, I, I assume it would be, or mm. or maybe you don't don't want to be uh, uh, essentially carrying a, a sandwich board advertising a company. Maybe people do like to keep that to a minimum. I, you wouldn't you wouldn't think it looking in the street and seeing it's how, how many of people course. are wearing a massive Nike logo or a massive Adidas logo on the front of their T-shirt. But as you say, forty years ago, that would have seen seemed insane to be wearing something uh, well, like that. Well, and that and that's what's what I've always found so exciting about sponsorship, whether it's manufacturer sponsor logo or you know a, an official sh- sort of club sponsor, is that it has changed completely high street fashion as well. 
and it's now completely acceptable to have words running backwards, forwards, you know, even going down to things like band t-shirts. There was, you know, there's been periods where wearing um, music t-shirts has been so popular as well. Mm. And, and, and it does, people don't blink an eye about wearing, um, sponsoring beer or whatever it is, a, a, an Asian gambling uh, betting organisation. It doesn't bother them. Or does it? I don't know. But that's, isn't it funny how that almost becomes by the by? Um, yeah, oh, that now no one ever thinks anything of it. Uh, just on the subject of international shirts, the famous Denmark shirt, which is uh, officially the, the, I think the fourth best football shirt ever mm. in the the Football Attics poll last year. Um, the football, oh, it wasn't a poll. It was uh, it was me deciding everything with you and, uh, <laughs> and the guys from Football Attics. <laughs> yeah, there, there was there was no democracy about it. Um, the the Denmark shirts, the Danish Dynamite shirt, uh, on their squad photos before that World Cup, I don't know how long before, it actually had Colesberg as the sponsor on the oh, front. Okay. Have you seen that? I haven't, no, no. So that's something worth, I mean, those shirts must be worth an absolute fortune if you could get hold of one of those. So mm. sometimes it can in- increase the value of a shirt because it's so rare. It, replicas weren't sold with it but the players wore it for the team shop obviously as part of the deal with the sponsor um, they also wore the, the special shorts with right, the uh, half and half shorts yeah the half and yeah. half shorts was like the opposite of the shirt um, but yeah with with uh, I think it was in blue the sponsor's logo which worked quite well but yeah if Great, you get hold yeah. of one of those shirts that'd be fantastic Hey Dave Yeah Randy Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks underwear and t-shirts are super soft Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft Or disgustingly cosy Wait what? I got it Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Um when when it comes to a sponsor, sometimes there is a conflict with some of the beliefs so so currently we have a lot of sponsors which are gambling companies alcohol companies uh payday loan companies Mm. so a lot of terrible things that actually are a big deal for for people based on their religious beliefs Mm. religious belief faith and so on um so sometimes players will take it upon themselves to cover up logos so uh federic canute when he played for sevilla a few years ago they were sponsored by, I don't know if it was 888.com or it was a gambling website, and he covered up the logo. Um, is that something you've noticed hmm. or had thoughts about? Is is it the right of a player to do something like that? Well, it, it does. I do think about it quite a lot. And, and, and even going back to the 80s when you'd see, um, like, Holston on Spurs shirts and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And the fact or, that or wooden, the, or wooden, in, in fact. Yes, because, you know, obviously junior shirts, you, you wouldn't, you couldn't buy them. And it, I seem to remember there being choices whether you could buy sponsored shirts or not. That's my vague memory. That, that may be false. But I think that's, that's there, is a, there is a moral obligation there. And I think it's, I haven't got the answer to it, but I think it's something that has to be considered, you know. And certainly even with, I think with youth teams, they don't have any alcohol sponsor on their shirts. Still, I think, I think I've seen pictures of Celtics under you know, under 16s or whatever, and they won't have um, Magnus Cider on the shirts. But I think in terms of players, I, I think 
Oh, dude, that's a difficult one. I don't think they... Personally, I don't think they do. I think if they sign to a club, they've got to sign by the contract and the rules and regulations that apply. And if the club have decided, rightly or wrongly, to go with a certain organisation, then, you know, if the, if the players are that precious about it, then they maybe should think about signing for somebody else. I don't know. That That's my gut feeling. Would, would, would you agree? Would, would you, would you I, think? I, I do agree with that, actually. I do agree with if you sign for a club, mm. then you go along with what they stand for what their values if it's, are if they, yeah. yeah so if their values are compromised to the extent that they will have and even a bank i think uh liverpool if you if you actually want to i mean I, I banks have money so i don't want to be sued too badly but it's worth having a a quick google on the internet of what standard chartered have been up to over the last few years and to, to have them tied with liverpool and for them to have the audacity to tell Liverpool that they should be signing players from Asia and to get angry with the way Liverpool handled Luis Suarez, that makes me that makes my blood boil when a sponsor thinks that they have that right. Well that's because a, what you yeah. do is you go to the club, you decide, like a player, you decide whether the values are in, in line with yours, and then you go along with what they do. And if you don't like it, you end the contract. That's for me. a very, very, very good point. I think um yeah, there's certainly there needs to be some kind of yeah, some looking at that and, and considering that. I mean, the payday loan companies, we've all got mixed opinions of, of of what, I guess, what that's all about. I don't know how much clubs really pay attention to that. But, of course, you know, some other clubs really go out of their way to, you know, supporting the, the um, charities and stuff. I mean, Scunthorpe this season is a great example where they've waived their sponsorship and revenue and have the prostate cancer uh, logos on the front of the shirt. And that's that's brilliant, you know. That's that's the opposite end of it, really, isn't it? The opposite end of that spectrum. Yeah, the, and I'm always a little bit um, suspicious of that kind of thing. Oh yeah. Uh, you could you could give the the benefit of the doubt and say they're doing a good thing, but there is a PR exercise in that as well. So it's a great thing for a news story to come out to this this club, as you've just mentioned, has yeah. waived their right to sponsorship money. So it, it advertises the brand. It it it. Sh- it shows the club in a good light. Um, regarding... isn't, isn't that a win-win situation, though? Oh, yeah, certainly. You're, d- you're doing the right thing and yeah. you're, you're, you're gaining a benefit from it as well. But it's, it's just whether you want to do the right thing or you want to gain the benefit from something that, that sometimes, sometimes the balance isn't quite there, I think. Right, sure. So um, regarding alcohol sponsorship on shirts, so that's... That's banned for kids' shirts in this country. So replica shirts, I believe it's against the law mm. for replica shirts to carry a, an alcohol sponsorship. But Celtic, for example, you can buy uh, the adult shirts without the Magnus sponsors as well. Oh, you can, um, yeah, and okay. I, and funnily enough, the Nike shirts, the unsponsored versions are all sold out by about September, October. But New Balance mm. have come in and they seem to have plenty of stock. So right. okay. uh, I, I don't know what that means for the future or whether they just uh, are better planning for the season. But uh, I know there's a sale on of, of Celtic kits at the but, minute. So, But didn't, uh, we have this, didn't we have this wonderful thing with Celtic? We talked about that anniversary shirt, the white shirt recently. Mm. The fact that uh, tenants uh, agreed to reduce the size of their logo so to, to retain the kind of integrity of the shirt. And they even had the logo kind of uh, very, very faint tonal, almost like a shadow print, wasn't it? Do you remember? Under the badge. Yeah, and they did, uh, they, and they did they that across it. all kits, didn't they? I think that season. Uh, yeah, I think it was small across all kits, and it was no, sorry, it was small on. 
on the home and the third. No, I've got that shirt. I think yeah, the home and the third was small, and on third, it was whited out as well. Yeah. And there's a a great article on this that could be found on Celtic Quick News. Oh, okay. And they talk about the benefit of a news story being related to the fact that you're that you will gain a lot more from whiting out your sponsor yeah. than you would gain from it being seen by more people more people would know because it, it you if you sponsor a club for a long time and this is probably one of the reasons why long-term sponsorships are relatively rare is mm. because it becomes part of the shirt to the extent that new people will not notice it it would just be an integral part of a Manchester United shirt and it's only a subconscious message that gets sent across rather than someone looking at it and going mm. what's that company I'm going to go and check them out because everyone who, who would have done that has already done it five years ago when he first started, started sponsoring them and, um, and didn't Etihad do it for um, Man City and I think uh, GAC did it for Palace as well when they both wore sashed kits yeah. I think they both agreed to reduce their, their logo size which is again it's um it's being clever with sponsorship and i think that's the key thing and it's certainly it's certainly far cleverer than just having a big white panel and you know not even compromising re on reversing your logo out of a shirt you know that, that that's the kind of clumsy way of doing it the unsubtle way but there are as you're saying there are better ways to get good branding and good pr we've we've kind of come full circle on this because something about the the miniaturizing of uh of the sponsors logos they for nike shirts into milan had it when they had that st george's cross shirt That's right, um, yeah. man city had it as well when they had the sash shirt like you say in both cases they put the sponsors logo underneath the crest yeah now that might be for aesthetics purposes but something about nike is that they have a certain area as part of contracts and how the nike logo nike swoosh logo should be depicted you're right. not allowed to have it in, you're not allowed to encroach on it so you can't have the sponsor's logo so close to it okay. so really a sponsorship logo if it's miniaturized should go under the manufacturer's logo mm. but instead because mm. nike have these rules you couldn't do that you have to put it under the crest instead but, but so you're compromising the club again well, are you? I mean, all logos will have an exclusion zone. So they'll always say, you know, there'll always be a, a fixed area that you can't supposedly encroach on it. Mm. I think what that's... Oh, I see what you mean. I do understand what you're saying. But I think the relationship is between... Because the, the, the manufacturer's logo is on there to say, we made this shirt. But the relationship between sponsor and club, that's the, that's the intrinsic link. So to me, it kind of makes sense for them to be there. It's saying we're the club's partners. So we're with them. We're supporting them, if you like, underneath. So I can see a certain logic there. But I do know what you mean. You're kind of thinking purist identity on one half, um, commercial on the other, aren't you? That's yeah, exactly. Sort of, yeah, yeah, that's that split. I mean, do you think, I wonder if, I don't think we ever will, but, you know, it's fun to think about it. I wonder if there'll ever be a term where sponsorship will always go small under the club badge. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? Go back to a season where it was pure, just pure colour. Um... Happen, I, but I it's a nice thought. <laughs> yeah, it is a nice thought. I, I I don't see that as the direction we're going in. No. Um, I think we're going in the, the other direction, I think. But I think, is as you somebody... said, it's cleverer ways to... Yeah. There's, we're, you know, surely in terms of branding and advertising and sponsorship, there's more... 
interesting ways and effective ways to get the message across than just slap bang on the middle. And I think that's what what clubs are are, are you know exploring. Um, I feel there's lots of contradictory messages I'm giving out here, but it's I sort of feel like my my thoughts are quite clear on it. But I'm, I'm aware that sometimes I might sound like I'm contradicting something I said earlier. But you know, no, no. Just what we were talking about regarding the individual players having a problem mm. with the the shirt. Something I alluded to. Um, so where I mentioned Spurs and Holston in the 1987 FA Cup final. Um, half of the team weren't wearing the Holston logo. Do you remember mm, this? That's right, yeah. Um, the, so, and it wasn't a problem. I don't think the referee had a problem with it. So I think in terms of the rules, different players can wear a different kit as long as they're wearing the right colours. Okay. I, I okay. think, anyway. So you can have people wearing a different sponsor's logo. So they, you can bring in... in individuality or a, a bespoke wow. nature to to the kits if need be there was recently a a legends game i think it was malaysia like malaysia all-stars against an international all-stars and on the international all-stars team they all had a a graphic i don't know if i've talked about this on this no. podcast before but they had a graphic running down like as a central stripe like a, a thin version of the Ajax stripe let's say mm. and it was a graphic of their of their country on the international all-stars kit so each player had like their flag let's say down the middle of their shirt mm. but it was obviously a different flag for each player it was a white shirt with a, a a design down the middle that was different for each player and there's not necessarily i don't think a reason why that can't be brought in so for example you have in the programme, in the football programme, or you, I don't know if it's the case anymore, but it used to be the case that each player had an individual sponsorship. Do you remember that? Well, I, <laughs> I used to sponsor um, a guy called Dave Martin at Southend United. I sponsored his socks. 15 quid it cost me. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, you could feasibly... I see where you're had, going, yeah. ...had the name, the design practice, let's say, on the, on the sock of the player. And as long as it doesn't change the kit to an extent where it's not what has been listed I can to see, the yeah. referee before the game, why why is that a problem? Well, you know what, as, you were, clash. as you were saying that, I could see where you were going. And I was thinking then, obviously, player names and squad squad numbers, etc., coming on shirts, they're a big part of, especially with younger kids, of buying their hero shirts. You know, that's a big deal now. It wasn't when I was growing up with replica kits, but that's that's changed. Why, you know, why can't these players either have, even if it's a charity they support or something, to, to really personalise, get their message across on the shirt as well? If it's all about player power now, I think that's a really interesting idea. I, it, I, yeah. I'm, I wish I hadn't said it now. I wish you hadn't think... said it because I was going to say it and then claim all the <laughs> glory, but it's, it's going to look like <laughs> no, you thought of it. <laughs> I, I think I've just invented it, haven't I? I think this is going to happen. Don't let this podcast and... go out, Jay. It's too good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We uh, can can we sort of patent this? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, something, uh, an instance of this happening, and it's just a, a last point I want to make about it, mm. is there was a, a football team in France, I think they're amateur or semi-professional, called Vizil. And Vizil okay. is a great place, and you should Google Vizil because it's, uh, it's I, I've, go there quite often i've got family who live there okay. and it's where, essentially where the french revolution started from it's a beautiful castle beautiful grounds and uh that's where yeah they, they had the first meetings and decided to to march oh. up to paris or whatever um so it's great 
but that's a great place and there's a, a football team there and they were their kit was made by a company called Zeus Sport I think it's one word Zeus Sport well, as in the god as in the god right okay and I've read a couple of different versions of this story and obviously because they're a small club it's the news on it isn't perfect but they had either a a Muslim manager or some of the players were Muslim and they refused to wear the shirt because it had the word Zeus on it and the logo for Zeus Sport is just the word Zeus okay and it was like they were advertising another god or um, condoning people worshipping another god and that was the problem Mm. so I'm not sure how where this went but there was a problem with that now the reason I bring that up is I had a, a little Google of, of Zoo Sport and their kits are fantastic. If you go on, they're just a teamwear brand, mm. but if you go onto their website, there's they have very, very inventive kits. And the best one is like a uh, an archery target kit and it's absolutely fantastic. So I'll pop oh, it on the notes no, yeah. anyway, so you'll be able to have a look. But when we see in this country so many boring teamwear companies that that don't have any sort of real idea of of creating something new and a lot of them i think they've paid for licenses i hope they've paid for licenses so they one of their teamwear kits is very similar to an adidas uh i'm I'm going to put them out of business now i'm going to get them sued i think but it's very very (laughs) similar to a very very specific leon kit from a few years ago um but yeah go and have a look it's an interesting story anyway but Go and have a look at their their teamwear kits because they are fantastic. I really really like them. But that's interesting. I can see that being a. But again, you're you're right back to you know how strong religious beliefs are. Because mm. um, I guess there are mainly religious beliefs that, that stop these things happening. Yeah. But again, or... you know, it's like yeah, it's like working on a Sunday there, isn't it? You know, that always used to be an issue. I, I don't know. It's a difficult one. Really difficult. I. Um... I think the way around it is is the individual sponsorship deals. Mm. So some players could wear it. But this is the same thing with the poppy situation when you say mm. to a player, if you're if you don't want to wear a poppy on your shirt, so uh, James McLean doesn't wear a poppy and mm. I fully understand the reasons for it and I don't think my my feeling on the poppy is that every player should be given a poppy shirt and not a poppy shirt and you just put on whichever poppy shirt yeah, whichever shirt you want to wear, yeah, sure. whether okay. you you wear the one with the poppy, you wear it without, because it's the same as every every uh, Remembrance Day. Mm. We wake up in the morning and we go, well, "Am I going to put a poppy on or am I not?" So but that's, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a massive. It sounds really naff to say it. I'm a massive fan of the poppy and what it and what it means, what it stands for, and I've I've always worn one. But I do feel uncomfortable with the emotional blackmail that everybody mm. feels now to wear one. I think it should be, if you've got the, I wouldn't say the word soul to wear it, if you've got the, whatever your reasons are for not wearing it or wearing it, that's up to the individual. That's yeah. that's my view. Well, it's, it's almost devalues the wearing of it mm. if people are being forced to wear it in the first place. Exactly. And one of the things that we're, we're remembering is standing up against fascism, you would yeah. think. So <laughs> quite an important point when it comes to to whether or not you should be made to wear a a poppy yeah no i do see that i do see that um so yeah so that is kit sponsorship i think more or less 
rounded up. Um, was, did you have any other views on that that you wanted no, to, I mean, to it's, get it's, it's funny. It's worth digging in, and maybe I'll, I'll do another blog on it as well, but it's, it is fun looking into people that maybe aren't aware of individual stories. There's some brilliant sponsorship stories over the years. You know, West Brom with their um, No Smoking Sign sponsorship, and, uh, and, and even when local councils, Millwall, um, Lewisham Borough Council supporting sponsoring Millwall should a council be allowed to spend taxpayers' money on sponsoring a football team there's, there's some wonderful little stories and anecdotes around so I think anyone that's interested in that I'll try and write something on it but have a little delve around because there's uh, there's plenty of you know good reasons for and against shirt sponsorship but it's all it's all interesting stuff um, Just a couple of other things that I've seen in the news this week you may have seen it yourself john um the, did you see the the little boy or oh, i think he's in iraq wearing a carrier bag with messi's name written on it have you seen this i've saw a brief mention of it but i've not i've not followed the story what's what's happened well the, the so picture has been taken there i don't know if they've managed to identify the kid or not then there's the story that messi wants to contact him to send him a real version of the shirt so what he's done is he's taken a, a blue and white carrier bag mm. and he's essentially got got in it ripped out the bottom got in it tied the the handles over his shoulders so he's got a, a diy a diy argentina shirt and he's written messy 10 on the back of it i've which, just seen it now as we're speaking yeah yeah so this is incredibly cute i suppose and it's sad and it's a sad indictment of the world that he's Goodness. done this i actually think just fast track him on a fashion design course because that's just brilliant isn't it that he's he's <laughs> Come up with that. So if they find him, obviously help his family because he's he's poor and he's probably living in pretty uh, destitute, uh, pretty destitute environment. But the is it's the inventiveness is yeah. quite exciting. I think. It's, do you know what? It's, it reminds me of a guy. I, I did a little thing with a guy, a, a filmmaker, a few years back on a documentary about a sportswear brand, which hasn't come out yet, but hopefully it will. And he's also worked in in fashion before. And he said again in in African countries, you know, when people donate clothes, there was mm. a real spate at one point of loads and loads of all these kids wearing football shirts because it was yeah. old football shirts. People were chucking them out, didn't appreciate any value of them, and they were ending up in in third world countries. And it's you know, it's a it's an odd thing, isn't it, to see these brands and logos again in a country where you know it, it kind of jars in a way. Yeah. It, it... Again, it's the it's how far these things reach. So we have a foot, we have a a game of football which has so much money in it, but yeah. it, it spreads worldwide to to people who live in something which is so massively alien to to the way the the sort of Western approach of football is. So yeah, yeah it's, but, I, but again, it's it's a, it is a great example. It'd be interesting to see what Messi's kind of you know how this story pans out. I think again, it's it shows that there's an immense possibility for football to do real good, and for football sponsorship to do real good as well, and that's what needs to be encouraged. I think, but it's a great, it is a wonderful story. Yeah, uh, there's a there's a great need for capitalism to do more good in, mm. in general. I think, but that's that's for another day. That's for <laughs> yes, another type of another podcast, four hour podcast. That one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, the just staying on sort of. Linking slightly in with uh, Lionel Messi, uh, this week Barcelona's shirts were supposedly leaked by the. It's the usual paper in Spain that leaks these kits. Mm. Um, they're wrong. 
they there are elements to them that are correct i think but they generally speaking they're wrong and one of them the third shirt has been lifted or it's been no it's, it's been lifted let's call it that it's been lifted from designfootball.com one of the fantasy designs has put on designfootball.com so the Not purple again, third surely. kit surely Goodness. Um, okay. Yes, yeah, so it happens quite often, but it's, yeah. they're usually the reliable source. I think it's Sport Magazine, maybe, um, but I'll okay. check it. And uh, yeah, so they've said that this is the new, um, this this is the new shirt, and it's not the new shirt. It's just a fantasy design. So right. this this happens from time to time, and it's happened again. But yeah, don't don't trust those leaked images. The colours are probably okay, but the designs are, are mm. a little way off. But you can see on that, I'm looking at those leak designs now, it, again, it's a real prime example of how a sponsorship logo can sit quite nicely in one of those sleeves. Tournament patch on one sleeve, sponsor logo on the other. Yeah, they've been doing that in Spain for a while, I think. Yeah, it's, um, a, way, it's a way forward, I think, Jay. Yeah. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what the what form the next Premier League patch takes because mm. they're getting rid of the lion, I think. This, this is the thing... Um, the the lion logo is being removed from the Premier League. I don't know if they're going to take it off the trophy as well. I don't know. They oh, okay. don't like that. Uh, they yeah. can't be taking off the trophy, surely not. But it's coming off. So it will come off the patch. So there'll be new patches next season, I presume. Um, so we'll see what it is. But it, it is sponsorship because the, the Premier League is, is sponsored by something. So it used to have Barclay card on the patches. Mm. I think it had... Uh, is it had... Does it? Do the current ones have Barclays on them? I don't know, but it's they have had at the at some point. I think they've maybe had Barclays on there as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we, we'll wait and see what that takes. But it is. It's again. It's it is branded of some description, which is the same as sponsorship. Yeah. So we'll yeah. see what that form takes. The uh, Premier League lion. So it's a lion with his foot on the ball. That's right. Um, which maybe. I don't know if it's part of the FA logo as well, maybe. Uh, they've got little statues in the Big Brother house at the minute, which are that, the lions with the with a foot on the ball. Really? Uh. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I noticed that the other day when I was watching that. Uh, <laughs> but, We've yeah. got crepes. Um, sit them in there somewhere. There's a few leaked shirts coming out, actually. I've noticed that this week. There's a few more popping up. But I always try and... I do my best to avoid them until official launch. I always think they look... They always look a bit grubby, don't they, when they're leaked beforehand, but I don't know. They they do, and I don't know I don't know what I prefer. I I want them to be shown the way that Nike and Adidas want to show them. So I want the big launch. Yeah. But then I think they're gonna look great on the publicity images. Then they're gonna look slightly less great when the players are wearing them because they're wearing them in the wrong size or they won't wear them the way that we're intended and then i'm gonna buy it and then i'm gonna put it on and that's not good so you know, maybe yeah. the leak is the best way of saying it seeing it is in its worst form is the most it's the closest to what it's gonna look like when i put it on when you put, i can see where you're coming from i think though personally i think that it never a shirt never looks better until until i see it in action until they see it worn i think worn some the, of the mm-hmm. Some of the uh, the pr- the primary images that come out now, I just think, I just make me curl my toes. I think they, I really don't, I don't know, I don't like, I don't like them. I just like to see, I'd like to see the old days where you just get two players in the stadium, hands behind their backs, just posing for the. That's what I like. I don't like all this smoke and lasers and and what have you. It always it always seems a bit over the top. But there you go. Um, one of the teams in Scotland, and I, I maybe shouldn't say it because I can't remember who it is but it might be 
Liverpool. No, Air United. Oh, okay. It, I'm pretty sure it's Air United. Uh, they don't actually, as, as part of their launch, I don't think that they show the shirt. They paint the shirt design on a naked woman. <laughs> so good for them. Great guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no comment on that. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, okay. So that has been great, John. Thank you so much for coming on for the second time. You're the first person to come on this podcast twice. Uh, I, a massive honour for you, I'm sure. I am. I am honoured. But you know what, Jay? I love it. I love doing them. Do them every... Well, I'll say do them every week, but then I might have to. But I'd like to <laughs> yes. do it more often if I'm invited. So, yeah. Always always a real pleasure. I have to take your first answer there, I'm afraid, John. So, I'll speak <laughs> oh, to you next week. Great. I'll tell the um, wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The... the uh, yeah. The... Um, the wife. Um, <laughs> uh, this this has been great. Um, if you want to to speak to John, it's True Colors Kits on Twitter. Uh, also, go and check out his website, which is TrueColorsFootballKits.com. Loads of stuff on there. There's you need to get the books. If you don't have the books, buy the books. Somehow, you need to get hold of these books because they they cover kits from in England and international let's say home nations kits from the last four 35 40 years uh 1980 onwards is that right yeah, john 1980 yeah 1980 onwards so you've got to get those books and then to fill in the gaps of recent seasons you can go onto john's website where you can find galleries from the last few years and little rarities on there as well uh like john's facebook page you can probably find that as well uh true colors again true colors football kits on facebook i think um, there's there's a, a gallery of kits in there as well, which is brilliant. So and do all that. And also have a look at the um, the design practice on Twitter as well. And what, this is almost almost shirt sponsorship in podcast form, isn't it? But you'll see hopefully some images very soon of the uh, the the Aylesford under nine shirts that we're my company sponsoring. So yeah, keep an eye open for that as well. Check that out as well. Um, so thank you so much, John, uh, for design football. Designfootball.com is the website. Look through the galleries. There's uh, competitions. I think there's a weekly crest competition going on at the minute. So that's a fun thing that's happening. Um, that's good. The the crest we don't talk about enough, but we will do that. We'll cover that in a, in a future podcast. Um, go to the website, designfootball.com. Uh, go to the Facebook page, which is designfootball.com. Also, contact us on Twitter if you want to design football. If you want to speak to me specifically, that's fine as well i'm j29ers on twitter uh thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed it please let us know what you'd like us to talk about on the podcast uh what you feel about the podcast even if it's abuse i like abuse i'm uh i'm a masochist in that way so that's fine uh thanks very much for listening uh we'll speak to you again soon bye-bye bye-bye